come with us. When you wish upon a star. Come and remember the magic. What's up, all you rad dudes and dudettes? Welcome to 90s Disney, your podcast for everything about Disney in the 90s. I'm your host, AJ Minotti, joined by my brothers, Mike Minotti. Hooray for Hollywood. And Chris Minotti. Hollywood. Yes, we are doing a very 90s episode this month because we are going back to planet Hollywood. Whoa, a different planet? (laughs) A whole new planet of stars. Ah, that makes sense. Yes. (laughs) Actually, no. Planet doesn't have stars. Unless you're playing Final Fantasy 14, then the planet is the star. Yeah, yeah, well, if you look at the logo, there's a star popping out of it. That's true. That's you. That's a good you logo. You will, you will dine among the stars, you mm-hmm. see. It's, it's, it's a double entendre. I think a lot of his success had to do with that logo and the t-shirts and everything. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay, I'm sure. It was well marketed. As as, uh, as Yogurt told us, merchandise. Merchandising. Where the real money's made. Planet Hollywood, the flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so... We're going to talk not only about Planet Hollywood as it pertains to the Disney World, but really, you kind of need to tell the story of the company itself, which is pretty interesting. It's so like, 90s. It's like it's one of the most the 90s things thing you it, can yeah. imagine. It, it really is. I mean, even its rise and fall is like rise, early 90s, fall, late 90s. Late 90s so yeah. <laughs> it's all good. So specifically, we're going to talk about December 18th, 1994, which is the opening of the uh, Disney location. The number one movie at the time. Anyone guess? Or did you look already? I looked. I looked. Darn. Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Number I one movie. I guess that. this. I remember there was like that period where Jim Carrey was just absolutely. It was that year. Dumb. Yeah, because yeah, that's right. Like it's three movies. It was Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber yeah, all in one year. It was insane. Like, even me and like, I'm like eight. I was like, that's Jim Carrey. He's doing pretty well for himself. <laughs> that's what Mike sounded like when he was yeah, eight years old. Exactly. You know. Then not. I think the next year was Batman Forever. He was just oh, going yeah, that was, crazy. Yeah. Good start power for him. The number one song is Here Comes the Hot Stepper by Ine Kamos. No idea. It must have came and went. Did you listen <laughs> it was to number one for two weeks. You know, you, I really should start doing that. Nah. Right. Just to see if it I, you know, I rings can guess. bells. You want to guess? Huh. Oh, here comes the hot stopper. It's a hot stopper. It's a hot stepper, but. Here comes the stepper of hotness. That's exactly how it goes. Yes, I thought so. And uh, interestingly, uh, Bungie, the creators of Halo, released their first FPS for the Mac. Marathon on December 21st of 1994. Mm. People like this game. Oh, it's weird that they were like all Macintosh based. And even uh, Halo at first had strong Mac. It was going to be an branding. RTS for the Mac. Yeah. Oh, geez. Weird. Then it was going to be a third person shooter. And then Microsoft bought them. Marathon came out on uh, the 360 on Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah I played through it. I mean, it's very much one of those like Doom style yeah. games. Yeah. A lot of get the blue key card so you can up, <laughs> open up the blue, blue door. door. And, yeah, <laughs> all right, great. <laughs> all right, so let's go back to the dawn of Planet Hollywood. Our story begins not in the 90s, but in 1987 with an actor and production assistant named Brian Kestner. He was working for the production company Taft Barish. 
He was actually reading the script for, it, I, I read a Flintstones movie, but the Flintstones movie didn't come out until 93, so mm. this might have been one of the animated ones. I know Still there's the one. Things take time, and there's different development. There was a man, there was the, a man named Flintstone, and that might have taken place in Holy Rock at some point. There even. was the one where where, where Pe- Pebbles and Bam Bam get married. Yes. They, they move oh. to Holly Rock yes. at the end. I do kind of remember. That might be this one. That might be it, yeah. But he's reading the script, and he sees Holly Rock, and he kind of goes, in his head, I think that kind of conjured Hard Rock Cafe, Hollywood. Wait a minute. Why isn't there the movie version of Hard Rock Cafe? So he has this idea. He rushes to the office of his boss, Keith Barish. Keith Barish was a producer, worked in such films such as Sophie's Choice, The Monster Squad, and The Running Man. Running Man rules. Have you guys seen The Running Man? I never have seen The Running Man. Oh, you guys are like The Running Man. It's an Arnold Schwarzenegger film, which which will be important to our story later. That's one of the cheesier, fun ones. It's good stuff. Does he run a lot? He runs quite a bit. (laughs) That's good. It's not false advertising. No, no. So he likes the idea very much. So he takes the next year and a half to kind of meet with various restaurant veterans, trying to see if this is something that can be developed. And uh, they're working with the working title of Cafe Hollywood. So he actually meets New York's publicist and PR guy, Bobby Zarum, who introduces him to Robert Earl. Robert Earl is a very interesting character in the themed restaurant industry, going back to his earliest days in England, where he started his career with a restaurant called Beef Eater. This was a medieval-themed restaurant that opened in 1972. That's just a great name. Right? Beef Eater. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard it back like Beef Eater Gin. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't like that word. What? Because <laughs> I think of beef eater gin. You're right. I just wait. What's beef? What's beef eater gin? It's a. It's, it's a gin. A, oh, is it? It's a good gin. Yeah. That's it's a weird name for a gin. There's no like, beef in gin. Yeah, I know. Right. That's well, why you have I, it while like, you eat beef. You eat beef and you must drink be. A, that gin? must be a English surname. I don't know. That was the one in Spider-Man Three. He told his wife, "Tell the caterer not to open the beef eater gin." Oh, man, I don't remember. I don't much know why that from Spider-Man Three. Aside from JK, him dancing. Yeah, yeah. says that to his wife. Yeah. Um, One for JJ. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he followed that up with some more themed restaurants, the Cockney Club, Shakespeare's Tavern, and Talk of London. So he's doing his thing in England, but he really sees the U.S. market as the home of much growth potential. So yeah, he, we're more suckers than they are. Right. Well, and it's <laughs> just more people. So We have more refined taste, darn right. it. Of course. So we're approaching the 80s. He wants to bring his concepts to America, specifically Orlando. What's he do? He talks to the developers of Epcot to see if they will license his ideas. They don't. They don't. <laughs> but he tried. So there, there's our, cool. there's 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 our early, earliest Disney connection right, that's to, to Planet Hollywood. I right mean, there. there's things you would call themed restaurants in Epcot. I mean, specifically, Beer Garden is practically a themed restaurant. Right. See, I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't find too much about Beef Eater from 1972. Like, I think it was a little more, not quite medieval times, but like more show. Sure. Then, like, you know, like a plane of Hollywood has. They probably don't have horses. No, no. At that point. I think there was, like, people in character. Or Falconeers. Like that, you know? <laughs> Falconeers. <laughs> Man, Medieval Times is great. Because of just watching a video, we have so many memories. <laughs> we do. I mean, you get, especially when they take you there when you're on, we were on high school band trips as yeah. kids. They take you there, they put you in a section, like, you're cheering for the oh. Red Knight. And, oh, and I'm we like, yes, I am. For the Red <laughs> you're right, I'm cheering. I, that, that just goes to show you human <laughs> tribalism. You go to a place, they give you a hat, <laughs> the color, the color on color. It. You're like, like, this is your. This okay. is your color now. It's like, yes, it is. <laughs> I 
I'm heavily invested. <laughs> I will start screaming and shouting now. I, I think I got the Red Knight to sign the flag they gave me. I had it in my bedroom for like yeah, 10 years. Yeah, you did. Yeah, <laughs> we had a great time. You, my one friend, who I wouldn't even really meet till years later, was taking videos of me and my one friend because my one friend was just freaking out. So like her handheld camera. I found the video 10 years later. She's like spying on us. My friend's just freaking out about the Red Knight. Medieval Times is I need to go. Yeah, let's, let's go to Medieval Especially Times. when you're in high school, you get your friends involved. Yeah. That's a yeah. good time. Got, all 10 of you lined up in a row idea. with your pewter mugs of Pepsi. Yeah, the vegetable soup and your, your quarter chicken. It's a good time. <laughs> medieval Times. It's a good Medieval Times. <laughs> well, anyway, Robert Earl is not deterred by his rejection from Disney, and he goes on to open several themed restaurants in the Orlando area, including Caruso's place, uh, Palace, which is apparently now called Race Rock, King Henry's Feast, and Shakespeare's Tavern on Church Street. Oh, Church Street. That's a yeah, whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing that kind of inspired Pleasure, Pleasure, Pleasure Island. Island. Yeah. Yeah. Shakespeare Tavern. That must, I wonder what that thing is, because he had one of those in England also, huh? Yeah, so I assume it's, you know, kind of got that whole... Does everybody yeah, die at the end? Yeah, don't, don't drink the red wine. Don't drink the wine. <laughs> Unless everybody else you know drinks it. Then you drink it because you're in pity. And then they wake up and see you're dead and they drink it. Yeah, it's all a big misunderstanding. It's all a tragic misunderstanding. Yes. Uh, through a series of acquisitions and mergers that are really beyond the purview of this show, he finds himself as the CEO of the Hard Rock Cafe. At the time, he took it from seven locations to 22 locations in the course of five years. So, Is that considered a good thing or a bad thing? Yes, at the time, very good. <laughs> he really grew Hard Rock Cafe. Okay. What do you guys think about Hard Rock Cafe? You know, there was a time it was like, it seemed like a joke, kind of yeah. like the way Planet Hollywood became. But we went to the one in Pittsburgh before we saw William Shatner. A number yeah. Of I remember yeah. thinking he was pretty decent. I do, too. For whatever reason, my wife and I really enjoyed that same yeah, location. that one in Pittsburgh is actually pretty nice. Yeah, right in the water there. I've been in the one in DC not, a few. There's isn't the one in DC not too far from Ford Theater or something. Uh, that one's yeah, okay. something goofy like that. Yeah, but there, you know, there's a. Uh, do they still have that big one in uh, City Walk? They have the hotel. The hotels there. there. Yeah, the hotels I, there. So there must be something. Right. I assume. So yeah. Uh, so Earl and Barish began working on the uh, Cafe Hollywood concept in 1990. Now it's around this time that Robert De Niro opened the Tribeca Grill in Manhattan, but he kind of kept his involvement a little more low-key. It wasn't like Robert De Niro's no. Tribeca Grill. Right, throw Robert, his face out in the camera. Robert De Niro's not exactly Mr. Person. You ever see him like Give on like interview. Conan O'Brien or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. So Penny, okay? Penny's fine. She's like, <laughs> those are her I'm happy noises. Oh, good. Are so, you sure? She looks like she's dying. Nah, that's great. <laughs> that's her I'm happy face. <laughs> you say so. Ignore the purple. <laughs> Purple, she's white. <laughs> no, it's good. Keep going. You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> Don't let my dog distract you. So, Barish wanted this restaurant to be kind of like a Hollywood museum with food, something a little more classy and more kind of classical and stuff. Brown that won't work in an amusement park. Earl no. saw kind of like what De Niro was doing, Tribeca Grill. He wanted to do the opposite. He yes. wanted this to be like celebrities. Yeah, crazy. They're here. They're there. They're everywhere. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, he, of course, would eventually win out. And one of his kind of insistences was he wanted celebrity partners from the get-go. He talked about when they were you know, trying to grow Hard Rock Cafe, wanting to get the musicians involved. You know, they were kind of beneath the musicians. So they would like literally wait outside of stage doors trying to catch these guys. Like, hey, great show tonight. Uh, yeah. Do you want to come like hang out at Hard Rock Cafe, please? Like stuff like that. Mm. He did not want to go through that again. He wanted the celebrities up front and involved. Mm. So 
they didn't have any capital yet. So their kind of really good idea of how they're going to handle this was they would offer the celebrity shares in the company. I mean, at the beginning, these shares were virtually worthless. So they were selling them on the potential mm-hmm. of this taking off, which then also creates in the celebrity like a sense of ownership and like, you know, it's kind of a pyramid scheme. If this does well, you'll make money. Right, right. You know, so then they sell their friends. And, exactly. Yeah. And that's pretty much what happened. So they decided to start big. And the first person they, they decide to approach is Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, you know, he just came off the running man, Terminator, and he's now filming Terminator 2. So this is like, you know, the height of Arnold's right, right, fame right. and success. Coming off the 80s and in that, like, you know, 80s, he was like a big deal, but it was kind of like a lot of schlocky stuff. Then like 90s, Terminator is like main, super mainstream. Right. Everybody loves Terminator. So like I mentioned, Barish had worked with him on the running man. So there was a relationship there. He wasn't coming at him from out of the blue. So he actually got his way on the set of T2. It was on Valentine's Day. Arnold had just wrapped the scene, and he goes and pitches him on this idea of this Hollywood-themed dining experience, and he wants the celebrities to be involved. And apparently Arnold just accepted immediately, like wow. there on the spot. He's like, just I'm looking in. for a good investment, and it came at the right time. Right? Just, uh, just, just he gets like the idea. They next went to Bruce Willis, who also was like, yeah, I'm in. And in fact, I want my band to play the opening. His no, band is called you know The Accelerators. Yeah, hold up. Did you know this? Did Bruce Willis has a band and yes. they're called The Accelerators. What does he do in the band? Sings, maybe. He sings? I don't know. Well, I, probably. You know, I don't know. I think he was, just, yeah, he was the front man. So. The front man, Bruce Willis. Okay. Lots of actors have Apparently bands. Bruce Willis is also uh, very adept behind the bar. Yeah, well, they now show that, that image a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one, I'm like, sure he is, of course. They use that a lot in the commercials. Like, look, Bruce Willis is mixing a drink. Maybe he'll mix your drink. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Uh, one home alone, Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they Shut had up, a long yeah. call with Warren Beatty, fresh off of Dick Tracy, like a three-hour phone call, but he just never ended up three actually hours. What, was there pillow talk involved? <laughs> Apparently, he talks in circles. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I can see it. Um... The final person they got on board was Sylvester Stallone, who, according to an interview he did with Larry King in 1993, he begged them. <laughs> like, oh, right? he, wow. like, at this point, word began to, I guess, kind of circulate. And he was like, I want in. <laughs> Yo, Adrian. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I knew you were going to say you. As soon as you slip the voice, he's going to say Yo, Adrian. Well, you kind of have to. That's yeah. how you get into the voice. That's how, you know? yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, the one thing that they all kind of agreed on was that Cafe Hollywood was kind of a, a, a dumb name. So they needed something better. Now, this is the story that Barish and uh, Earl tell, so take it with a grain of salt, where apparently Barish gets this name in his head, and he goes to Earl, he goes, I've got the name. You got the name? Oh, I got the name, but I'm not going to tell you the oh, name. God. I want you to say what I'm thinking on the count of three. One, two, three, and they both at the same time yeah, said, right. Planet Hollywood. Sounds I'm making like a, a gesture. I won't <laughs> say what it is, but yeah, right? <laughs> so yeah, if you if you believe that. Uh, a little too then you're Great. <laughs> great. So now we're kind of building towards the grand opening. The first order of business in our movie museum restaurant, we need movie museum paraphernalia. Real paraphernalia. That's right. So an assistant who worked with Barish named Evan Todd gets tasked with collecting and curating all the props and costumes. He has no experience in this. <laughs> this is also, keep in mind, the early 90s, this is kind of really the, the beginning of like movie props being considered like important historical artifacts. Right, they're probably just all being thrown away or put in storage at this point. Or repurposed into something yeah. else, or you know, people will just take stuff home after production's done. Right. Um, one story I, I read was Evan Todd, while searching um, for props, found a guy who worked on The Shining who had the axe that Jack Nicholson used 
in his shed. This is like, wow. still like, covered in like the fake blood. And he's like using it to chop down trees. They said, "What do you want for it?" He goes, "Well, I need another axe." And they <laughs> said, "Sure." Wow, that's best. <laughs> like, but that was the state of movie right, props in the seventies right. and eighties. Like it didn't. Like this is not a big deal. It's an axe. Who cares? It's got to be like a top one hundred important prop. Right. right? Exactly. Like, and it was just in this dude's shed. He was, he was using it to shiny. chop wood. <laughs> Man. Um, what really kind of set off the craze of movie prop collecting was in 1988 when an original pair of the ruby red slippers mm. from The Wizard of Oz sold for $165,000, wow. which 1988, that's astronomical. So that um, really was like, like you know, the beginning of movie props and collectibles becoming a, a mainstream idea. I think I've heard before there's seven pairs of so I wonder how many are like still around, survive. Disney had that pair in the Disney line for the great movie ride yeah, for a while. A, yeah, a they're all pretty valuable. Though. I could be making that up. I'm pretty sure I've heard. So there's multiple pairs at least. Yeah. Right. So he would start by originally going straight to the studio. Sometimes they would donate stuff to him if he made a good case. Sometimes they would lend things to him with the stipulation that if they ever wanted it or needed it back, they could have it immediately. Um, he started going to auctions, garage sales, secondhand shops, contacting people who worked on films, like the way he found the the axe, like. He just started just scrounging for whatever he could get and, you know, built up this huge collection hmm. that uh, I think at, at its height uh, was something in the 50,000 pieces that they kept wow. in a central location that they would, you know, farm out to the different restaurants to keep rotation of all the props going. I wonder where he got the naked Sylvester Stallone from. That's a really good question. I have to imagine that was in All right, now hold somewhere. very still, Mr. Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> so since For you brought that years. up, let me uh, let me find the tweet I bookmarked. I was going to I just saw up. something that it, it popped up. It recently. just resurfaced. Not yeah, long so ago. hang on. It's it's loading. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was one of those things that you... It, well, I well it left an impression. Well, stairs, so you always saw it if you right. went to the... Well, I guess he's like looking down and you oh, yep, there's... there's well, and everyone, of course, was naked Sylvester Stallone wearing like a thong. Oh, I, I thought I saved this tweet. I'm really sorry. As like a child, you're like, ooh, I see his butt. <laughs> oh, here it is. Okay, so this came from Adam Howes on Twitter. During the 90s, prop versions of Special Loans, cryogenically frozen character and Demolition Man hung from the ceilings of Planet Hollywood restaurants. Now a defrosted John Spartan surface in an Australian country town. <laughs> And it's like it's not in like the fake ice anymore either. It's just like the mannequin right. itself. It's not preserved anymore. <laughs> this isn't the one from Planet Hollywood, is it? Uh, I mean, no. I mean, it, it very well could be. I guess. Yeah, it's hard. To I say. mean, how many of those did they make? <laughs> like, like I know they. I mean, it was only in for one shot in right. the movie. Like so. I know you make a bunch of ruby slippers. I don't know how many uh, yeah. life size. Naked So I mean, there's a good chance this yeah. was one. I mean, I'll, uh, unless it was a reproduction. I'll retweet this too. tweet from the. Who's uh, reproducing that? Even? I don't know. No, just for the just for Planet. Just for Planet Hollywood. We need more naked slippers. It's a big draw. Hey, they had it front and center, so obviously it was a big draw. And it was recognizable, and Sylvester Stallone, again, was one of the original three, so like they kind of, you could tell, the three of them had a lot of featured stuff. Well, so, sure, yeah. but I mean, also, why not? Yeah, it works. Sylvester Stallone, I yeah, mean. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, Evan Todd, he's collecting stuff. Barish is working with a real estate developer named Harry McElow to find the first location that will be in Manhattan. They settle on space on 57th Street that's actually not far from the Hard Rock Cafe. Don't you think you'd kind of be cutting into your own business there? Well, keep in mind, oh, that's like, even though Earl still works for Hard Rock Cafe, Planet Hollywood is a separate, it's unrelated only- endeavor. They are not uh, related businesses, except for Earl working for both. That'll come up later, I'm too. There will be yeah, <laughs> a point of a conflict there. So they get this space. They start working with Bobby Zaram, who's the guy who introduced Earl and Parrish in the first place. He becomes the PR and hype man for the opening event. 
So apparently Zerum, he's he claims credit for the line, I love New York. You know who I am? I created the piano tie. Yeah. <laughs> I created. What have you done? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so his his idea, which was pretty smart, he got the logo everywhere he could. Shirts, robes, whatever he could do with the logo, and he gave it to everybody. And it's a great logo. So he gave like a t-shirt to Madonna, and then she was wearing it for a jog, and the paparazzi took pictures of her in a Planet Hollywood shirt. Uh, he gave it to Michelle Phillips. He gave a robe to New York City Mayor David Dinkins while he was in the hospital. He gave President George H.W. Bush and First Lady Barbara Bush Planet Hollywood robes, like oh. anywhere he could get it. Like he just you know, got it out there. What is it? I don't care. Right? Where? So we get to the opening of the first Planet Hollywood on October 22nd, 1991. And again, really pushing the celebrities. Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be making his mother's recipe for strudel and, and, and spatzel in the kitchen. Of course. Yes. You know, Bruce Willis will be shaking up cocktails and here's his band playing. Like they wanted you to think that like celebrities were working. Anytime you went there, you were going to see somebody like, you know, of course. it's not just like, I mean the MGM studios motifs like, Oh yeah, you're going to just run into Hollywood stars right. every time you're there. Right. This is now, where they come hang out for fun. Exactly. That's, that's the vibe they want to create. So here's just a, a short list of some of the celebrities who attended that opening. Uh, you had Elton John, of course you had Donald Trump, of course Chris Farley, Chris Rock, Christian Slater, uh, Don Johnson and wife Melanie Griffin, Wesley Snipes, Anna Nicole Smith, Glenn Close, Debbie Gibson, Cher, Kim Basinger, just this you know massive list of I mean top tier celebrities. Right, right. It wasn't like this weird B tier of like like people looking to get some attention. Like, Which what you often did get at MGM Studios. Right. Like, like this was uh this was big. And sure enough, the accelerators played the openings. Where's Arnold? What the heck? He's making yeah, a yes, he was there. Okay. <laughs> Other people. So in the aftermath of this grand opening, Hard Rock co-founder Peter Morton sued, <laughs> seeking damages against Earl, who was still working for Hard Rock. He claimed that they were taking trade secrets of you know, running a themed restaurant that played music and sold merchandise. Whoa, it's a secret. <laughs> Who would have ever thought? Yeah, right. Well, again, in the early 90s, you they, know, this was, it was a revolutionary. Big, yeah, it was a big concept. Like, like, you can't just also have a gift shop? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, they settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. But that was kind of the beginning of a lot of the legal troubles for Earl in particular uh, and financial troubles. But, you know, still, the, the concept was popular. Massive lines at the, at the Manhattan location. 20-minute to two-hour waits were the norm. You know, everything's going great. They're going to expand. They get Demi Moore to officially join as kind of the next big celebrity backer. And more celebrities would follow. People like Tom Arnold and Whoopi Goldberg. Big celebrities. And various, uh, uh, well, back, again, Tom Arnold, very big in the 90s. <laughs> um, you know, various levels of, of, of stock. But eventually... Being at these openings was such a kind of cool kids club sort of thing that they didn't have to pay these celebs in stock anymore. They just wanted to be at the opening. Sure. So, you know. Yeah, get their face on. They'd call me like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there because I want to, you know, rub elbows with Arnold Schwarzenegger and be at the opening of Planet Hollywood because they would have lavish parties or like if they were. It was like their own red carpet event. And apparently, too, even like like the night before, if like whatever celebrity was local to that opening. They'd have everyone at their house and, again, have big events. And, like, this was top Hollywood hobnobbing at its finest. Uh, you know, they, they would rent out entire hotels and convert hotel rooms into suites and put everybody up for the night. Jeez. I mean, you can't imagine what these had to cost. Uh, but they were making it back to start. You know, again, this was really, really working. Uh, but 
unfortunately, kind of as time went on, people became wise to the fact that this is really just kind of a tourist trap. And you're like, you know, it's not where the celebrities are genuinely hanging out besides like the openings. Right. The day to day. eh. But still, I mean, it's generally doing very well. It's still existing in very big markets that are very touristy. So that's helping it thrive. Naturally, where are they going to go next? Disney World. Las Vegas. Oh, Oh. close. You're very close. So in 1994, they begin to open their two biggest restaurants yet. Uh, The first one in Vegas, uh, which opened before Disney um, and the Disney location, both had 500 plus seats, while the other location sat 250. So they're doubling in size. And these are huge markets, so it kind of makes sense. This would open as what was technically considered part of Pleasure Island on the other side of the AMC movie theater. There's no West Side yet. West Side doesn't exist yet, which a lot of people, I think, conflate. You kind of associate it with West Side because that's kind of where it ended up. Right. Yeah, eventually it was. But it did predate that. Yeah, the West Side marketing, the West Side branding doesn't happen until the Cirque du Soleil and the Disney Quest and all that stuff. Right. So the Disney location is a giant four-story structure shaped like a massive globe with a moat out in front of it. And what was in that moat? Jenny's boat. Jenny. I mean, the Forrest, Jenny. Forrest Gump's boat, boat, the Jenny. Jenny which the shrimp and boat. Super rad. I, I love that that was there. Um, they had a separate outdoor gift shop in addition to the indoor gift shop with that giant gator on the roof for some reason. Right. They had a gator mascot and, a, and an ape mascot. Bubba and... Gump. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, something. Something. So so do you think that with this building, it was really their weenie for uh, downtown Disney? I mean, uh, it was, again, it was, it was right on the curb. Right. Yeah, it was, so it was actually pretty lot. striking when you're driving up to it. Yeah. It really stood it's out. Absolutely. It was cool because, I mean, it was actually like this giant globe thing. I mean, we didn't know what a plant Hollywood was. We wanted to go. Right? Yeah. I mean, this is the first we ever saw or heard of it. So. Right. I mean, Disney was really good about it because they also played clips of that opening with the celebrities on the resort loop uh, video thing over mm-hmm. and over. Over. So here is just a sampling of some of the props that were uh, inside the building. If you guys remember any other ones, feel free to tell me. These are the ones I found some photos of. Uh, you had Herbie the Love Bug hanging from the ceiling, the original Volkswagen Beetle that was Herbie. Uh, a giant Terminator figure stood in the lobby. That one always sticks out to me. Yeah, because it was right there. There was a propeller from the movie Flying Tigers, which was John Wayne's first yeah. war film. Dad must like that. Freddy Krueger's hat and glove from Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm, you remember that. Some of the clay pots from Ghost. An alien from The Fly, a zombie from The Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 3, Gizmo from The Gremlins, shout out to AJ Lacascia, a munchkin jacket from The Wizard of Oz, and the car from the Beverly Hillbillies I remember that, yeah. Yeah. I remember more like the creepier stuff, because I hated sitting by it, like the... Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Oh, yeah, he yeah. was in there. You're right. You're right. Yeah, and at least I know at some point, there. I think it's even still there. I forget when they added it. They have at least one of the Rocky robes and stuff like Didn't that. Didn't they have um, Darth Vader's helmet, like one they of the original some ones? Star or, Wars stuff, yeah. I remember. It was always exciting. Because, you know, there's a lot of these movies I didn't really know yet because we were still kids. Star Wars, we all knew. Yeah, about. we all knew Darth Vader was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they exciting. would have, like, eventually they had, I think, the Jim Carrey's Riddler outfit. That yes, had, yes, like I remember that. that. So the other big thing that was going on inside was they had various projector screens around the restaurant that were playing um, occasional movie montages that were set to popular music. And what's the one we all remember the best? So kiss me. See, I liked, I loved all the montages. Yeah, it was just like, here's the best movie kisses or here's action. And it'll play a montage. 
later, kind of in the downfall, they would just be playing music videos. They, yeah, they weren't making their names, own videos. No sense. It was really cool then because it was like, I know that movie. I know that movie. And inside, even just aside from the props, there was like that wall of all the cardboard cuts. It was almost like Sergeant Pepper's, but like. Yeah, yeah it had like all the celebrities along the wall there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, just the fact that it was four stories and it was, you know, at every meal, you'd be like, okay, we're going to go walk around now. And you, it yeah. really was like that little museum. Now, sometimes it's like, excuse me, family, I need to look at Rocky's underwear. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just above your head. Can you scoot over yeah, a little bit? I mean, it was, again, it's this giant thing. Even like the stair wall, like going up, you would mm-hmm. there'd just be random props there. And that was a lot of fun. Especially at this time, like there's still so much of a mysticism behind movie making. Right. We didn't have social media. Like celebrities are, were right. still. We didn't have DVD special features. Yeah, exactly. Anything. It was all still mystical in a way. Yeah. So, like, part of me was like, is this allowed to be here? Shouldn't this be in a museum? Right. <laughs> it made you this feel like you were in an exclusive place. Yeah. I'm with yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, to be like that close, like you know, actual Hollywood props. I mean, yeah, still to this day, I think is pretty exciting. Right, like, that, that, like, that's a cool draw. Yeah, especially with depending what they get. I mean, yeah. I hadn't even seen very many actual celebrities yet at that point in my life. We haven't been to like any concerts or anything, so I was like, this thing was in a movie. Yeah, it's exactly. better than me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was weird. Probably why this worked more for kids and not uh, yeah. adults too. Yeah. Also true. Plus, even the whole, like, the whole, like, you went to, like, that tunnel, you went up the escalator, even the entrance of it was neat. Mm-hmm. How, about, how about the uh, the bathrooms? Even, oh, oh that's yeah, right. you're right. They, they, it like, was slanted. You. Yeah, it was all slanted. Was there the guy inside? There was a guy. Yes, there was yeah, a guy. this was the first time I saw the guy in the bathroom. He was yeah. like giving you mouthwash. I well, it's a fancy bath- establishment. Yeah, it's yeah. a glass joint. I wonder if they're still like that. It would, it would like kind of. Like, it would make you disoriented. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's the, right. I forgot. For, Good for people. Know what we're talking about like the restroom wasn't actually slanted, but it had tile work that looked like it was like it off. was on an angle. Yeah, right. yeah. So it, it just really the threw you off. It was neat. In cinematography, you're breaking the bubble. Yeah, it was cool stuff while you're breaking the seal. Oh, there's a moth in here. Yeah, they that happens. Uh. Now, one thing that I think we were okay with as picky children, but was kind of the biggest knock from the uh, the, the Planet Hollywood concept from the beginning was mediocre food served at very high prices. I mean, it's basically like TGI Fridays. Yeah. Not a concern for children. We weren't paying. TGI Fridays. Just TGI Fridays. That's right. The F would be an obscenity. The F is Fridays. (laughs) TGI Fridays, Fridays. Uh, It was very typical fare. Your burgers, your wraps, your pasta. But... There is one standout oh. item on that menu oh, that I terrible. crave to this day, and that is the chicken crunch. It's just chicken fingers coated in Captain Crunch, which a, is such an ingenious idea. idea. It's a great coating. Yeah. Crispy, why are, why are we using more cereals for coatings? It's, it, it's phenomenal. <laughs> I, try, still, I, I made copycat on my air fryer not too long ago. It's pretty good. They oh. still do serve that one, right? Yes, that yeah, is still on the menu to this there. day. It's yeah. like it's it's like the enduring legacy of Planet Hollywood yeah, Guy the chicken can, crunch. He did not get rid of it. It's their Big Mac. It is. It really is. Now, this is no longer on the menu, I checked. But when we were kids, the best thing for us to get, not Michael, because no. it had fresh fruit in it, yeah, strawberry. was the Home Alone, which was a uh, basically a virgin daiquiri, mm. strawberry daiquiri. Chris, you we, give me those two things, I'll yeah. stay there all day. We, we consume quite a few. Yeah. We used to, you understand, because Chicken Crunch is technically an appetizer. But I think you could get it as like an entree. Yeah, we would get that. We got that. it as the entree and the appetizer. We loved <laughs> like, that. It was so It was good. very good. It was good stuff. We had no refined taste yet. No, yeah. still don't really. What sauce did they give you to dip in? Was it just ketchup well, or right, something else? These days you get a Creole mustard with it. Was that what it was with honey mustard? I forget. Back? I think I it was, think it was still a honey mustard. We probably just did ketchup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up. This. Barbecue sauce. Um, I didn't mention too, outside next to that outdoor gift shop was a wall of celebrity handprints. As kind of something they, they uh, kind of you know, ape that from the Chinese theater and 
Hollywood. MGM Studios. Oh, Hollywood, right. <laughs> but, you know, you'd stand out there. And, oh, oh, wow, Bruce Willis's hands. They're much bigger than mine. Did all that. So, in addition to whoops, in addition to the location downtown Disney, uh, Planet Hollywood was really starting to lean into the merch in the back half. And of the, the merch movies. was iconic. Every we had those shirts. Yes, and uh, yeah. they opened the Planet Hollywood Superstore in Hollywood Studios on Sunset Boulevard on June 26, nineteen ninety seven. That would close February second of twenty nineteen. Had so a long run. Longer. Was this? It, was it in or was it just by the one where the facade was the Carthay Circle Theater? It was uh, it connected. Was, yeah, it was past that though, but it was part of the building. Yeah, it was okay. on the other corner. Right. That is. Caddy okay. Corner. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, the other corner. Yeah, but that was there forever, and that I remember they had like props from uh, the the Power Rangers movie yeah, in there. Remember? Right. Yeah, stuff like that. So speaking of playing Hollywood merch, to kind of dwell on that for a sec, I still remember the first time we went. All the waiters had. This kind of Hawaiian shirt with the Planet Hollywood yeah. logo on it. And that was in the gift shop, and I got it. That was my first Hawaiian shirt. You still have I that. Remember I wish I that. did. I can picture where it was in yeah. my closet in the house we lived on. In, well, in right. if you unpacked your own thing. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, yes. You probably uh, that, burned it that, and that A would not fit me anymore because, you know, that was, I was 10 at the yeah, time. Yeah, but you gave it to your kid. It was a super iconic shirt, and I loved it. I, can, and I wish yeah. I could get, like, a new one that I fit could me I could picture now. it. Well, yeah. you know, they, they would eventually change the logo, but I think it's just kind of back to being that logo in a lot of places again. The throwback logo. But yeah. the thing that they really sold a lot of that they're pretty famous for is, like, the bomber jacket. They always had the yeah. bomber jacket. Well, that's what they all always wear to war the in the celebrities. The celebrities. Yeah. yeah. There's that. We, we had that piggy bank, too. Yes. With the gator. With the gator, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. With yeah. Bubba. Made of the hardest plastic imaginable. Yes. So, the West Side would eventually uh, kind of expand around Planet Hollywood. That happened kind of after the success of Pleasure Island. Uh, they announced major expansion for the Disney Villain Marketplace and Pleasure Island in 1995, which would come to fruition in 97 when they called the whole thing Downtown Disney. Uh, does it seem like that's late to you? A little bit, but I guess when I think about, again, uh, it had to open... With with um Disney, Disney Quest. Quest, so yeah, like even like just the name Downtown Disney doesn't feel that old, right? Yeah, that is weird. Uh, but it was we, we you know we didn't call it Downtown Disney; it's just Disney Village Marketplace and then Pleasure Island, and yeah, re- really uh not until West Side was it Downtown Disney? And yeah. Hollywood really was kind of like, it, but it was it wasn't part of Pleasure Island because it was outside of the ticket booth area, right? So right. it was it was like a transitionary the movie thing, theater closer, yeah, really. but on the other side, right? It was weird, which is where they opened like the second entrance once West Side opened, right? Right, yeah, yeah. It was a strange growing pain period. See, it just kind of lived on its own for a little bit there, but it did well enough, yeah. But it, I mean, there was a parking lot there just for that. All right, time to talk about the downfall. Oh no, Planet Hollywood. All good things in the nineties must end. So. Where a lot of failure businesses begin, we talk about their uh, IPO when they went public in 1996, which went super well at first. Uh, shares skyrocketed to like $34 a right. share. We saw it was like it was like a dollar or thirty starting out, and it went to thirty some. Yeah, it's crazy. like massive explosion, like bigger than GM is, is the stat we saw. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this you know when you go public like this and you become a profit driven business, that that really is more about growth. Right? Line must go up. Yes, that puts a lot of pressure on a restaurant chain. That is pretty much at this point already open in every major city. Right. Like, what else can you do? Exactly. Like, there's nowhere else to open restaurants. So, again, merch, um, superstores, spinoff businesses. And they 
they had way too many of these opened eventually. You know, it's one thing if you have it in Disney World, New York State, that makes sense. They opened one in Cleveland. Yeah, And exactly. it was neat that we had one here, but it was like, we But you go, there? like, once, and then, like, are you well, really going to go again? Well, there's no to- there's no tourists in Cleveland, so you're really depending on that local Cleveland market. Like, what, again, time with, time? It, with mediocre, overpriced food? Right, time for our weekly trip down to Planet Hollywood. <laughs> come on, kids. What are you thinking? Applebee's, yeah. Chi-Chi's, Planet Hollywood? Like, there's, like, 80 Maybe that's, that was their goal, to be in that kind of... Uh, yeah, that wasn't gonna food. happen. Like there was eighty something locations. There probably should have been like a dozen or something. Well, they figured that out eventually. But profits fell from a high of twelve point seven million million in nineteen ninety five to just four million in nineteen ninety six. To give you an idea mm-hmm. of uh, where their finances were, of course, a lot of competition in the form of copycats were uh, starting to appear. Uh, a restaurant called Country Star, which was a country themed restaurant backed by Reba McIntyre, Clint Black. Vince Gill and Winona Judd opened up. Fashion Cafe, backed by models Naomi Camel, Elle McPherson, and Claudia Schiffer happened. Famously, Steven Spielberg's Dive, which yes. we went to in Las Vegas. It, died, it was died. a submarine-themed restaurant that served submarine sandwiches. It, is love. this famous, or are we the only people in the world who remember I this? think we're the only we, people. We got to find Why did we have such a good time when we Well, Because it was we, stupid, Chris, and we, we just got into Chris, it. I don't know if you noticed, we love themed restaurants. <laughs> yeah. We think have they're you, great. Have you met the Minotis before? I, I vividly remember going there. I don't have a great it, memory of that stuff, but man, so, it it well, like, you, like like all they were like these like TV screens look like portholes every and so often just like you know the Arga alarm yeah. started going off and a voice like dive it's like why are we diving I'm sure mom and dad loved it so we went we went to Vegas in uh, 96 like 96 and this was when the big family push for Vegas was yeah happening. the Luxor and, just and, opened and, and, and stuff it was actually a whole lot of fun we stayed at the Luxor it was newerish and, and there a was huge arcade huge giant Sega arcade but That's every right. resort had attractions and rides and then there was dive. Although I'm kind of, I kind of wish I went to this next one here. Hulk Hogan's Pasta Mania, brother. <laughs> do, they, do they serve fresh yappa pie <laughs> from head to toe? Yeah, please, Mr. Flair. Uh, man, that's incredible. And then even playing Hollywood was like trying to create its own offshoots that really just kind of, again, like, 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 you know, consumed its own market. So they had official all-star cafe, which was like the sports version of playing what a Hollywood. bad name. Uh, that was backed by Shaquille O'Neal, Andre Agassi, and Joe Montana to start. Joe this, Montana. How this is the fail? place where when Tiger Woods won his first major, he went to the official All-Star Cafe really? to celebrate. Yes. I, yeah. That's what it was. Celebrate and collect a check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they opened an ice cream chain called Cool Planet. With like the same logo as Planet yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, like they wanted you to know it was Planet Hollywood right. related, but like without being too overt, but Whoopi Goldberg was kind of the partner with that one. They also had Marvel Mania, which was a Marvel comicsing restaurant. This opened at Universal Studios Hollywood, 1998. It closed a year later. Man, that's so weird. Well, it was ill time right before. Right, it was right before. Like, if that opened like ten years ago, it'd be huge. It was even before the first X Men movie came out. Yeah, '99. So. Yeah, it was, it was just. It was before. Uh, I mean, do you think this Spider Man? I think was out at the time, but like that wasn't enough. No. Right? Was, oh, that was, was that Spider Man 2001. Is it really? X-Men's you're right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's nothing. Wow, there is There's nothing. nothing. It's terrible huh. timing. Jeez. It only had the comics to go off of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, not big enough. So, of course, Arnold at this point, Schwarzenegger, this, uh, thinks they should be leaning even more into the merch. Like, you know, we, we're selling the bomber jacket. There should be new bomber jackets every year. There should be plenty of Hollywood fashion shows. Like, right. we need. Well, maybe, have, maybe yes, the more bomber jackets. I don't know about fashion shows. Well, you create, but, but he's right. The, with those the merch was popular. That's it was popular, but it got into. stale. It was yeah. just the same logo slapped on a shirt. Like, they needed to branch out. That's what he wanted to do. They didn't do it. In 1999, Barish actually steps away from the whole endeavor. Uh, uh, reports say that his relationship with Earl had soured. 
Neither will really talk about it to this day. He just wow. kind of, it, it's that blank response like, oh, it was just time to move on and do something new. Like, right. Yeah. Who knows? In late 1999, Planet Hollywood files for bankruptcy. Chapter 11. Uh, closed nine of its 32 U.S. restaurants and a number of its worldwide restaurants in an attempt to kind of uh, right the ship there. Uh, and then in 2000, Arnold Schwarzenegger severed ties with the company, sold the remainder of his shares, which I probably didn't get up much. And I mean, that was a blow from a PR standpoint because of, of the three celebrities of the, the original three, he was definitely the most sure. out there, outspoken about it, uh, the most involved from what I can tell. So for him to leave was eh, not great. So they kind of start to write the ship again. Um, they refile uh, for, for public training in 2000. Again, not doing anything great. October of 2001, file for bankruptcy again. Uh, they try to blame it on a downturn in tourism following 9-11. A lot of people are like, that was a month ago. A month That's ago, not yeah. enough to completely kill your business. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think they're writing again on the wall. Um, what happens after that is Bearish, uh, or Earl, excuse me, actually sells or buys kind of most of the shares and takes the company back to private. So that's actually how they kind of got out of that bankruptcy and kept going after that. So Planet Hollywood is a concept kind of hangs on throughout like kind of the, the 2000s and the early 2010s. That's most of the locations they hang on for that long. Yeah. Well, because you have some locations like Disney Springs where, again, there's a million tourists. So Yeah, they'll well, go. It, but if you're not worried about constantly, you know, having better revenues year by year, then you right, if you're not exactly that, that helps anymore. too. So the majority of locations close. Um, the famous one that we saw in this video watch, which is one I've been to, is the Niagara Falls, which still it's just an abandoned building that you can like, like fifty percent of like the decor is still up. You can tell it was sign. a Planet Hollywood. Yeah, there's like some murals outside that still say Planet Hollywood. It's like some I mean, they just they just cut and stuff. run on this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was just done, son. Um, but again, they survive in these kind of bigger mega markets. Uh, this is also the time that they buy the Aladdin Casino in Las Vegas and make that the Planet Hollywood Casino and Resort, which has nothing to do with Planet Hollywood. That's so weird how, like, at, like when the brand is, like, in this awful spot, that's when they build a – not build, but they put their name over the skyline and in Las the Vegas. Money. And it was and successful. It, yeah. it worked yeah. for whatever reason. I mean, Britney Spears had uh, – how long was she there? For quite a while. A long yeah. time. Is that um, what she doing her residency? That's where she right? did, yeah, her thing. And, and, yeah, I mean, that was a huge success, so – Again, like they figured out just enough to kind of keep limping along and keep the thing viable. So we flash forward to Disney announcing the redevelopment of downtown Disney into Disney Springs. You got this giant globe-shaped building and an area that's going to be themed around being this like little quaint Floridian town that was built around a spring. What do you do with it? You can't have a you giant You demolish plant. it and build something else. Nope, that's expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> So they actually come well, up they with, did that to Disney Quest. Eh, yeah, I know. They come up with actually a pretty good idea, I think, where they decide it's going to be the town's observatory. It, yeah, it's and a it great becomes, idea. Looks they good. actually changed the like the literal name of the restaurant is now Planet Hollywood yeah. Observatory. It, actually, it looks cool. It's it's, it's a nice bad. job on the outside. I yeah. love the, the color, the color of the uh, the globe itself. Well, it's kind of just the, the color of Disney Springs, really. But yeah, yeah I know but it all fits. So, like, yeah. yeah. So when you guys first heard about Disney Springs, was your immediate thought like, okay, Planet Hollywood is no more? I thought it. Probably I, thought was it was, I thought it was done, especially because again, like like Planet Hollywood, the brand wasn't doing so hot. Right. So I'm like, well, they're just done. like, what are they gonna do with this? But no, it's uh, it's still there. The the big thing that they made of, of this redevelopment, which applied to all the Planet Hollywoods, not just the Disney Springs location, was Guy Fieri was going to come in and revamp the menu. Like, because because we heard the complaints for the last twenty years, the food sucks. You know what they need? They need some of that donkey sauce. That's right. We're going to take you to Flavor Town, baby. Yep. 
of course, they uh, were maybe six years too late to this trend, but it was like the big goofy milkshakes with like yeah. a slice of cake on top. Instagrammable yeah. things like Universal right. has those too with yeah, uh, two, two sums, two sums, chocolate yeah. emporium. Yeah, they so they did beat. that. They had uh, you know, they're not sandwiches; they're knuckle sandwiches, and they're not burgers; they're big bite burgers. And sure. but they still have the Captain Crunch. That's the important thing. They still have Chicken Crunch. That's really all that matters, and that's all I care about. So, uh, Planet Hollywood Observatory reopened on January twenty seventh, twenty seventeen. Unfortunately, the interior kind of sucks from what I've seen. We've not been. We haven't been in there yet. I've seen some things like some is okay. Uh, it's just more modest. Like, well, no, they decoration. There's all, all the props. physical decorations on the main wall are gone. It's just a giant projector screen is, yeah. that's doing like trying to do like you know 3D mapping things, but yeah. it's a flat but, wall. But still so props. You still know. props. There's yeah. still props. Not as many it seems, and yeah, I don't know. It just it, it looks lifeless to me. We have to go inside. I mean, every that's where everything's trending. It's a lot lot less loud and kind of I don't know. We, we yeah, I yeah, like uh, 90s vibe. Yeah, I like that 90s vibe with just throwing a just bunch of crap. Maybe crap. too much crap. But I like the crap. Yeah, that was you know that's why you went to Disney World. You wanted excess, darn it. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't want Connections Cafe. I, <laughs> I want Electric Umbrella. That's right. All right. So as of today, there are six open and operating Planet Hollywood restaurants: Walt Disney World, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Paris, the small island of Malta mm. off the coast of Italy, and Qatar. 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 I thought you pronounced Qatar. Qatar. I think that's I've the correct heard. way to pronounce it. Really? I think so. You say so. Correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter, everybody. Uh, the do. Times Square location still there. It's been closed since the pandemic. It's uh, my understanding is it's going to reopen this I, fall. I'm shocked. We went there in like 2005, and it seemed like it was in rough shape then. Yeah. So apparently there was a lawsuit two years ago or last year uh, where the landlord claimed that they hadn't paid uh, five million dollars in rent and was suing for it, but they yeah. they they said publicly like this is BS and we're gonna fight it. I don't know what's happened mm. with that. Yeah, interesting. But it is going to supposedly reopen. They also uh, have four resorts that they uh, have their name attached to. The Las Vegas one, of course. They also have resorts in Cancun, Costa Rica, and Gao. Yeah, there you go. Could you imagine me like, oh, we're going to Cancun. Oh, where are you staying? Playing Hollywood. Hey, I bet it's nice. Well, you want to go to Cancun, but still keep it as white as possible. Right? Yeah. Have you guys been inside the one in Vegas? Yeah, yeah. we've been. Well, there was, was it? What was it in Caesars? That was the store. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Which ones have we been inside of? So, obviously, Disney obviously World. Disney. We went to Toronto a couple of times. Yeah, I've, I've been to the Niagara Falls one. You said you've been to Cleveland, but I don't recall. I, we, I've been to Cleveland. It was at the arcade in, uh, indoor mall there. That's still there. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was one in Pittsburgh. I There must have been one in D.C. I don't remember if we went to it. We've been to the Hard Rock yeah. in D.C. Right. Again, so I I, could, I, pick, I can picture the store in Caesars. I, I have to imagine we went to the restaurant in Vegas. Yeah, well, it's hard to say because there's so many Vegas-themed restaurants. Uh, we've been to You've a been good, to good Margaritaville in Vegas. We've been to the Margaritaville well, in Vegas. Amazing. There's a there's a ho Margaritaville hotel there now, isn't there? Is that still there? I don't know. No, that's so in Florida, isn't it? Uh, well, yes, but I thought there was one in Vegas. I might be making that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, you can kind of see how the downfall is going to happen almost uh, no matter what with themed restaurants. So many factors. Uh, eventually, you can get by with the food not being very good. Internet's becoming a thing. People are like able to much more easily see which places have good food. Mm -hmm. They're not just going to be like, well, let's go to this place because it's shaped like a giant globe and it's got a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, right? Not uh, enough. Not 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 enough anymore. Plus, and I talked about before that mysticism of movie making was so exciting, and even like DVDs, like they were like special features. See how the movie was made. Yeah. There'd be specials on TV. 
that stuff all got declassified, and that that would that ended up hurting MGM Studios, right? Yeah, very and, much and so. Yeah, that was a big problem there. Like nobody cares to learn about how movies were made. We all know now. Yeah, and also it turns out it's all being done with like computers and green screens, anyways. Right. So that whole aspect of it was also becoming less appealing. So you can see why, especially in these smaller markets like a Cleveland or just any big city, it wasn't going to last. It has to be a tourist destination. Yeah. Right. And, and when they expanded too much, you know. Yeah, it has to be It has to be special. Like, you know, there can't be one an hour away from you in Cleveland because then it's like, whatever. It's, it's plus, the Krispy Kreme effect. I mean, yeah, if, look, if it is in Cleveland, it's not going to be this big, nice globe. It's going to be a, right, you know, a corner of a building. You're right. Yeah. I mean, let's be blunt. I mean. Now that there's a margarita though in Cleveland, next time I'm in Universal City Walk, I don't think I'm for quite the draw to be like, I gotta go to Margarita. Well, they're lucky they have that rooftop bar because that that is fun. It's not bad. <laughs> and speaking of bars, that the the, the uh, new Planet Hollywood or the Observatory, they have that Stargazer bar outside. Looks kind of nice. Yeah, and they have Chicken Guy attached to it now. Yes, oh, is it attached true. to that? Yeah. It's, it's in the okay. same like in building the, structure. Yeah, there's like a part of me like would love to actually go there, but. Now you're in Disney Springs. Like, I could go to, like, Homecoming yeah. or Boathouse. Yeah. Like, yeah. All these other million really good restaurants, Wine, uh, wine Bar George. I, it's funny because it's for the tourists, but really the locals are probably maybe going to go there more, or families, I guess. Like, maybe. Families, for like, sure. I mean, I want to go see it, but you're right. There's so many other good things. It's hard to... I literally, like, I kind of, like, want to pop my there. head in and, like, uh, even, like, the, the food blog people do it. It's mostly like, I guess we're going to do this. And right. like, yeah, there's like, it's a, always available. Like that tone to it. Yeah. It's, like, eh, it's still not great. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Chicken crumbs. <laughs> a picture guy for you. Yeah. As long as the food is Instagram ready, yeah, they'll get make your it. milkshakes, I guess. Right. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. That's yes, I do like, like what you say, like families. Like when I take, when I take my kids to Planet Hollywood over somewhere else in Disney Springs. Oh, you think they would like T Rex maybe more? I mean, honestly, we'd probably just go to Chicken Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken guy. get on the move. Right? Like Again, like, because, I mean, for this trip coming up in November, we don't plan on doing a ton of sit-down with them. They're, you know, they're, what, they're antsy. What, which of the uh, Disney, downtown Disney themed restaurants do you have better memories of? Planet Hollywood or uh, Rainforest Cafe? Ooh, it's probably Rainforest Cafe. I don't know. Well, Rainforest Cafe, I feel like we went to later, so it's maybe fresher in your mind. I, mean, I, think, I feel like I, we went there earlier. No, maybe. later. Yeah. I, I think if I really had to think about it, I mean, I'd probably still give the edge to Planet Hollywood in that regard. I, I think I so, too. So... They made a second Rainforest Cafe in Animal Kingdom. Do you think they ever like thought about just putting a Planet Hollywood in MGM Studios? Yeah, it, I mean, it does feel kind of obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah they like, must have had plans. If they put that or at least had a discussion. Well, remember what was going to go inside MGM Studios? Thinking of talking about themed restaurants, was that Magician's uh, Restaurant? Uh, God, oh, what, David Blaine, was, right? Or David Copperfield. 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 Yeah, remember, was, and they had like the sign outside. Yeah, they had that billboard and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, coming right. soon, <laughs> and it just never oh. happened. But, well, then, but then we got Abracadabar. They get Abracadabar. Yeah. But that was during like the whole, you know, you had to have a theme restaurant. Well, again, yeah, that, that, the was, of that was of that time, yeah. yeah. Speaking of Abracadabar, we got a very nice video sent to us. Yeah, we got a couple emails to, uh, to pour over this month. Mm-hmm. So the first one here, this comes from uh, Riley Andrews. It says, hey, guys, love the show. My family and I recently took a trip to WW in April and checked out the Nomad Lounge for the first time yes. and loved it. Yes. We also went to now Abracadabra you know. for the second time and really liked the Conjurita. Here's a video of me trying out a recipe I found online. It turned out really well. I think you'd like it if you haven't had it. Oh, I liked it. It was so we, Yeah, his video is very cool. This is one of those drinks. I think it, it uses... um. 
It's like a pea flower or something. It uses magic. Yes, magic, of course. And so it, it's blue, but then you pour like the final ingredient and st- stir right. it, and it turns purple. Oh, it was Very impressive. pretty colors. Don't uh, give me some trick ads, guy. We walked inside Abracadabra once. They weren't yeah, you, you and I did. Yeah, we haven't like actually been able to go in there and like get the experience mm-hmm. there. I love the idea of it. Yeah, it's very cool. I've never been. Mm-hmm. Then we got uh, an email from Mike from SoCal who says, Greetings, Monoticateers. I think that's how I'd say that. I like that. Monoticateers. Yeah. Something like that. I'm a longtime Disneyland aficionado that has never been to Disney World. I'm in the planning stages for a Disney World visit next year and was curious Mm. if you all had a specific route for any of the four parks that ensure you see all your favorites. Any advice or your must-see rides and attractions would be appreciated. Thank you for the fun podcast. Mike from SoCal. Bonus bonus question. Any memories about the Back to the Future ride that Universal Studios used to have? I feel like it was a better ride and theme than the current Simpsons ride. I don't don't mind the Simpsons ride. Let's let's start there. We'll start start from the back here. Oh, I got a million memories. I mean, we did it a bunch before it closed. Um, It was great. It it was pretty... It it was was interesting because, like, we we came to the Universal a little later than, you know, we'd been going to Disney for a while. So we knew Star Tours. We knew Body Wars. The, the the way that worked, where it was like you were just kind of in this giant IMAX theater with other people, but you couldn't quite see them. It's weird. Like, that shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. Well, what's nice, they took it so seriously as far as, like, a continuation of Doc Brown and his character and, and Biff. Mm-hmm. It really worked. And you yeah, it felt part of the world, world. Yeah, You were in that world yeah. in the ride. Plus, the DeLorean such a cool ride vehicle. Just that yeah. you get to go right. in it. Yeah, it looks so good. Yeah. It looks so good. Wait, the eight passenger. We're big Back to the Future fans, so everything about that was great. Our, Even, yeah. like, like, the clever little things they had, like, like it's a convertible because you're time traveling. You're just going to go to the days with nice weather. Right. What do you need a roof for? Like, yeah. like stuff like that was, like, really clever like, about all, it. All those rides that have, um, like, pre-shows and all that, you just get sick of it over and over, like Dinosaur. I never want to see that pre-show ever again. <laughs> right. But Back to the Future, I will watch that all day, oh, every day. It's, I love it's Doc it. Brown talking exactly. to you. You, you can listen to every word he says. And he's talking to you throughout the line. Even though the line is real, you're just like outsort, outside in like this concrete jungle. But it was it was great. Uh, all right, let's answer his question about the routes to the park. I want to take that's a, an episode I'm, of itself. I'm going to give a non-helpful answer to start because we had a very specific route in the 90s for Magic Kingdom. We did, but we flipped it. I flip it anyways. Well, now. we had to fl- we had to change it because they got rid of the sky buckets. <laughs> oh, you because remember we used to go in. You go right into Tomorrowland, mm-hmm. do that up, hit the sky buckets to get to the far side of Fantasyland, work your way across there into Starland, take the train yeah. around to Fantasyland, right about hit all that stuff, cool. come into Adventureland, you're done. Yeah. It was great. But even after that, we would we would be counterclockwisers we would start tomorrowland go their way these days i'm more of a start in adventure land kind yeah of yeah yeah kind. but yeah we definitely i mean you know pick a direction you can't go wrong and you know just stick that circle yeah, but it, if you're a magic kingdom make sure you do seven dwarves because you don't have anything like that that's what i was gonna say so let's let's each give your one must do attraction in each park so let's in let's say park. magic kingdom what's your one must well do? again if he I, I, if you've never been before because he's I, been to disneyland a bunch let's think yeah of things so that aren't yeah let's do it from that perspective disneyland. i guess seven dwarves then what else is really like unique yeah there uh and we're better not necessarily like because the pirates isn't as good um haunted mansion isn't oh people mover he's gotta do people oh, mover that's Mike's oh, answer yeah because you don't have answer. a people mover anymore you gotta do people mover people who are seven dwarves will be good yeah, and part. and for now uh we have the better splash mountain so go yeah, do that sure. what about epcot well what about restaurant what about like go to be our guests i mean that's pretty good sure well he no we said rides and restaurants he said rides and attractions. No, but we could be here all night if we be here all night chris uh, Epcot. Um, he has Soren. He has Space of Earth. Space of Earth. Yeah, do Space of Earth. He's kind of got a better test track, also yeah. too. To be honest, with cars. <laughs> Frankly, uh, Hollywood Studios. I mean, 
They have, you've got Star Wars there. Gotta already. do Rise of the Resistance. Or like Tower of Terror, right? Yeah, Tower of Terror. If you've never done it, I mean, if you have done it in uh, California, that it was, was never as good. No, I mean, not like, as good. Rise is honestly, it's worth like getting up early, doing what you need to do to ride Rise of the. Well, again, they have that in Disneyland. May, maybe do Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular to get a feel for what that park. Used that's to be true like. too. Yeah. That, that's like the only yeah. original thing, originalish thing yeah. left. And then Animal Kingdom, I mean, Flight of Passage. Flight of Passage, do the safari. Yeah, do the safari, too, I guess. Yeah, Everest, is, Everest is good because it's a non-IP ride yeah. you, know, you can enjoy. You talk about routes. The most important thing is make sure that you get to Animal Kingdom early and that you try to knock those two off immediately, yeah. starting with uh, Avatar. All right, then. Uh, anything All else, right. guy? <sighs> that wraps it up for this month. Mike. Yes. What are we doing next month? Well, I wanted to go back to Epcot. It's been a little bit, I feel like, since we've been to that park. And I know we've talked about doing an Innoventions episode. I think it's time we finally oh, do that. Oh, man. So I think a, that'll be a I'll take one. point, but I might need your guys' help. AJ, maybe you can specifically dig up some facts about that, Se- that Sega <laughs> if area. If I must. Twist my arm. Yeah. <laughs> Guess I'll figure out something for you. Okay. Got to dig up here. But, uh, yeah, we uh, we didn't even – I didn't even remember Communicore, to be honest. No, I have no memory of uh, it. But Innoventions, man, yeah. I, we spent half a day there, it felt like. It was great. Loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, yeah, and then they also like used that name in Disneyland for a while too. Which yeah, was, we so. could talk about that. Interventions is interesting. So yes, next month interventions. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to Nineties Disney. You can find more of us at 90sdisney.com. We can find the past, present, and future episodes of the show and links to subscribe on the podcasting service of your choice. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook, where you can join the conversation. Follow our goofy memes and yell at us when we get things wrong. Uh, any engagement is good engagement, as they say. Is that right? Sure, why not? And if you want to have your email read on the show, please email us at 90sdisneypodcast at gmail.com. 90sdisneypodcast at gmail.com. And we will read your question and answer it on the show. So thank you uh, very much, everyone, for listening. I'm apparently getting tired because I'm not being able to talk right now. It's late. It's late. We're having rough bedtimes at home with the with a little guy. I'm but that's great. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sink. You know what that means, right? No. Uh, single income, no children. You that's think. right. Except for sink. Yeah, it's, it's not. We learned that from Doug. Funny. Yeah. Well, I learned after the fact. That's why he was called that, Mister Dink, and that's why everything right. was very expensive. They had disposable <laughs> income. Good night, everybody. Thank yeah. you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.